and welcome. My name is Cindy and I am the owner of Breast Milk Jewelry. Welcome to The Mum Drum, where we chat to real mums and chat about all things parenting in real, raw, unscripted conversations. Okay, so welcome to The Mum Drum Official. Today we're chatting to Tabitha Ricard. Hello, Tabitha. What? Hello. Hello. I'm, I'm excited to be on episode number one. Yes. You are my very first guest. Number one. I know. How exciting. Woohoo. And if it sounds yeah. like we've, um, yeah. we're chatting like old friends, it's because we are. Um, mm-hmm. How long have we known each other for? Uh, how old's how old's your daughter? So, uh, turning eight, so it must be about eight years. Yeah, it's getting eight. on eight years. Seven or eight. Yeah. And I met yeah yeah through kanga training. So you yeah. were a kanga training expert. Um, <laughs> can I call you that kanga training instructor? That's the word. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I used to run one of those, like, they're kind of like franchises, like, like you have the license to sort of run it in your own territory. So I had Ballarat, yeah, oh. for about seven years. Yeah. Yeah. So for those that don't know what Kanga training is, how would you explain it in a nutshell? I would say it is a postnatal recovery and fitness program for mums with newborn babies. And the spectacular thing about it is that your baby is included the entire time through the use of baby carriers and baby wearing. And I was obsessed with baby wearing. <laughs> so when I when I started, there was only one person in Australia doing it in Bendigo. Um, and now, like I'm no longer doing it, um, but there's probably like 50 plus people doing it um, Australia wide now. Like it was, it, it grew over that time that I was involved. Um, yeah. So I'm kind of, our our kids are older now, so I'm kind of like beyond that new mum-bub stage, so. I know, so am I. And I remember like Gracie was very, very tiny when I first started kanga training with you and I got to watch her grow up and she'd come to every class. And the older she got, the little more distracted Mm -hmm. she got and she didn't always want to get in the carrier. But Mm -hmm. the thing that I loved about it was that mums could come and not only the social aspect of it, but the fitness side of it. Whereas normally mums are sitting on the couch, breastfeeding. They're not wanting to go out because of the whole drama of having to pack up a baby and head out somewhere or find a babysitter to go to a gym. But this way I could actually go to the class and take my baby with me. And it was also a bit of a bonding experience and it got me into baby wearing as well, which I was sort of already interested in before I came. But you had a lot of um, <laughs> tips and... I'm, also, I'm to blame for your baby wearing addiction. <laughs> yes, I blame you. And you have okay. seen my stash, haven't you? It is huge and I've still yeah, got it. At its, at its biggest, here it goes, mum confession time. Yeah. Uh, at its biggest... How many baby carriers did you own? Oh, 
You know, I still got all of them apart from one, but I think I've got, so actual carriers, I've got about eight carriers and I think I've got 32 woven wraps. As bad. <laughs> as bad. Like, honestly, I just keep looking I'm, at them. I'm, yeah. Oh. I, I had about 25 at its biggest, but yeah. I, I'm now at that point like, that I want to clean my house out as all the baby stuff. I've, I've moved on now. I'm like, I'm I'm definitely not having another baby. So I'm now like just yeah. giving, giving away if I can, if I can't resell it. So, oh. yeah, I, I only have, I have, I've kept one carrier for each kid. Um, And so, okay, so you, I, I remember when you first came, you had your, you, your stretchy that you'd made and I was like that is so beautiful and you yes. then you gave it to me when I was Caleb yeah um, and so that's his carrier which I've kept with all these baby stuff for him to have oh. and um I've kept I, I I'm not too sure which one I kept for Gracie I have to go back and have a look I think I kept her my original kanga training uh one with the logo and everything because I started that business with her and it was that was the carrier that I just used with her all the time the mendy yeah. car so um, yeah so I think that's the one I put aside for her but, yeah. yeah I've got a couple left and I'm slow I've, I'm slowly I've got a couple of my tires and a couple of buckles and I'm slowly like meeting mums at the moment who um got really who are having a really really rough time because um they can't work they can't can't go into a gym and all this stuff with all the shitty divert diversiveness going on in the world of victoria right now um so yeah so where when i'm meeting them i'm just like have a carrier i'm like this angel that gives you a carrier to newborn baby newborn mums who you can't you can't you know um so all i'm so down to <laughs> yeah exactly I need to de-stash as well like we went camping um uh we just got back um last week as you know we went away camping for a few weeks and I was packing the caravan and I lifted up the bed and found three more carriers that I forgot that I had I was like oh my god <laughs> there's three more under there like everywhere I go there's some in the boot there's some in the caravan there's they're under the bed I need to get rid of them but I just, I can't detach myself from them. I'm so in love with every single carrier that I'll never use again, but I just can't bring myself to actually get rid of any of them. So I've tried and I've sold a lot of them, but then when it comes down to, okay, where do I transfer the money? I always end up saying, oh, you know what? It's not for sale anymore. <laughs> I'm going to <Yeah>. keep it. <laughs> That's yeah. terrible, but oh, but no, it was good. And then you did that right up until the birth of your son. Um, yeah, didn't you? Yes. Yeah, I did. I yeah, I only just stopped. I stopped during those first sort of bout of lockdowns because then we transferred to these like online classes whilst also home, like remote learning my child. And then my husband was going from home, and it was just weird having to do these like online classes with people like running around and my husband watching from across the room and stuff it's just this weird and now I'm sort of rebuilding um the life that I want to create at home like I'm kind of um kind of made me relook at like how do I want to live my life like and I've been looking forward to this moment so those listening like today is the first day of both my children being at school 
And I, it was kind of like this milestone moment of motherhood that I was like hanging out for <laughs> a little bit. I love having my children at home, but I was just, I was looking forward to, I don't know, I just thought, wow, like I, my life's going to change like significantly when this moment happens because I'm going to have all this time. <laughs> um, and, um, yeah, and it's kind of gone down a path that I didn't expect it to do. So I'm trying to just stay positive and go, all right, well, now it's about rebuilding and how do I, what do, what do I want my day to look like? How do I that in a way that, you know, is transportable if I want to sort of travel around Australia or something, I could. If we want to fly and live in America for a while, we can, um, you know, um, <laughs> if we want to hire anybody, because I'm very passionate about equal opportunity and inclusion, like that, you know, their, their status um of what they choose during this time you know won't deny them an opportunity of working with it so I kind of want to um so I'm rebuilding that so we've got a few businesses that are um preparing to launch in the next few weeks which is exciting to see. Uh, tell me about your home birth yeah so obviously I'm into baby wearing so I'm a bit crunchy mummy um <laughs> so I I always wanted to have a water birth. It was just, I just wanted to have a water birth so bad. And I was pretty upset when I realised that that wasn't a reality here in Ballarat at all um, and not allowed. And my first baby, um, it was just all traumatising, honestly. Like I ended up with um, prenatal depression anxiety. So not, you hear often people talking about postnatal and I, I and I knew about postnatal depression anxiety I didn't know about prenatal depression anxiety and um everything about like the process of going in and out of the hospital like for all your appointments and not having continuity care and everything was just just triggered off that sort of anxiety even more and then I had like the craziest traumatic birth with like a doctor from hell who couldn't take no for an answer or, or at all respect my birth plans or anything. Um, so it took a while, like it's got a three and a half, eight, three and a half years age gap between my two kids. So it took me a while to sort of um, want to have another one and go down that process again. Cause it, like, I thought that this is how obviously like I, my body deals with pregnancy um and so and then that would mean that my second one would be like this and I wanted to be prepared um and but in that time too as I was getting ready like I I had learned of mama it was it's a program a program a business really um it's big in Melbourne um and we had like an offshoot set up here in Ballarat which um means you can like interview and handpick your own midwives and have all your antenatal and postnatal appointments at home and okay birth at home as well so I interviewed midwives before I even conceived and picked <laughs> kind of like kind of started like making sure like ducks were lined up in a row so then when the time comes if I was like getting into the throes of like prenatal depression anxiety like I I had things set up place to support me before I go a bit off mental health wise. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I used um, amazing, amazing lady, um, Margaret. I, I interviewed her and she was just so chill. It was so good. Um, and 
she actually only texted me the other day just saying she saw me on Instagram and everything that I'm doing and congratulations and how's Caleb going and stuff. So it was really nice um, to still have that connection with the midwife that was there for the birth and the whole pregnancy and stuff. So um, I also wanted to do You Keep My Birthing. Um, I'd read a book which I'd found in the off shop um, when I was pregnant with Gracie and there were aspects in this book that worked while I was in labour with her. But what happened was... When I, when, when the doctors were getting like, they'll just, just constant intervention. Um, it got me out of that zone and Dave and my support people didn't have the skills to get me back into that frame of mind, basically. Yeah. So the very first thing I did was after um, I had my midwives was I went and booked in <laughs> with Hypnobirthing Australia. And I did like this course with my husband um, so that he had the skills and I treated it like a marathon leading up to my home birth. Like I took all the like skills in like positive affirmations and visualizing the birth and practicing the birthing, te- the, um, the like listening to the tracks and just practicing all the different techniques for like the whole pregnancy. Um, I had like scripture, Bible scriptures and positive affirmations like, all over my house like it was just everywhere and I and I, I was just really immersing myself in that and um yeah I kind of like took it as like training because I knew from my first birth for me it was just it was mental more than anything like the minute I started telling myself I couldn't do it this is too painful you know um that's when like I just it kind of started that the spiral of intervention really started to just, I just started to give away more and more to the people to just take over um, and take the control kind of thing. And um, so I knew it was like a mental challenge for me more than anything. So, yeah, so I did that. I setting up my birth space in my lounge room was like the best thing. Like I had so much fun doing it and had uh, a cousin make this beautiful bunting that hung up and um, we got beads and wrote positive affirmations and sent them out like to everybody. So like in the lead up to my birth, I was getting like a letter almost every day with like a beautiful like bead and a positive like birthing affirmation. And it was so beautiful. And I remember you made me one, you made me a bead with your own bead. Um, you oh. made one like with res the resin and sparkles and stuff all like that yeah um and gave it in the lead up as well and um yeah so I created this like this long thing <laughs> string of beads hanging yeah. and um and I and I hung that up in my space and all the little affirmations were like on the wall around pool and yeah. um yeah and I had the most empowering redemptive I think there was this redemptive like um nature healing um process of birthing like his birth healed me from the trauma of my first birth um and yeah and I just it was just from a birth that was just so fear-mongering constantly and that to a birth where like it was just peaceful like it was just um so I'm a Christian. So even in the lead up, instead of having a like baby shower, I had a baby blessing where I had the older women from my church come in and they anointed me with oil and prayed over the space and prayed over me and my birth and all this sort of stuff. 
and I just remember like I just felt like when when my life goes a bit crazy and I'm like oh just God give me your peace like it always brings me back to that moment because I had this like supernatural peace around me that I just can't explain and in a scenario that was that can be so fear-driven um it wasn't and it was just peaceful and so amazing like um so long story short it was a pretty boring birth um I binge watched Degrassi High 80s Degrassi High I love that show (laughs) oh my god I feel I I just yeah I was binge consuming it in the days leading up and then I woke up woke up in the early hours of the morning I knew I was in labor because I'd gone to bed with some contractions and I knew if I woke up and that was still there that this was game on and um I literally just like binge watched sniffing clary sage um (laughs) do high for ages um my mum came over and sort of helps just lay sheets and stuff over the um over the couch and stuff like in case my waters broke and I started like leaking stuff everywhere (laughs) um came and then I don't know, around mid-morning, um, I kind of felt a change from that, like from those that early beginner labour to um, get started to get into the active. And um, so I stopped, I munged on watermelon and changed my, like turned the tally off and put a, like a worship playlist that I'd created. I started like worshipping and dancing around eating watermelon. <laughs> and then my midwives came and they sort of like checked on me like, yeah, you're only about four centimeters just chill out chill relax a bit um my midwife did some like pressure point stuff on my feet to sort of try and help a bit yeah um and so they left they went they went to a cafe or something for a bit um and yeah I I listened to I put on one of the hypnobirthing tracks something of the sea like surges of the sea I think it was called mm-hmm. and um I sort of like hugged my boom and um and on the couch, my husband spooned me from behind. And I don't know if I was asleep or what, but I think I was asleep. And apparently my daughter, who was three and a half at the time, she was sort of coming up and snuggling us and then sort of running off and playing for a bit and then coming back. And I, know, I slept for like, I don't know, two or three hours. And then I woke up and I could just feel contractions pushing down. And I was like, I want to hop in the pool now. And so they called the midwives. They came back. Waters broke just before I was just, as soon as I, this is funny, I actually don't know whether um, my water's broke or if I just pissed myself. (laughs) 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 See, if you're really hanging for a pee and then you turn the shower on and you're like, oh, my, you go to the toilet and just piss in the shower. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It's like, I had a really, I had this like really intense like contraction and I'm not too sure if (laughs) my waters broke or if I just like peed myself I'm I still to this day right now because I remember like I I'm pretty positive my waters broke when I was in the water because I remember having this really full-on contraction and I heard like a like a like sound yes and I I literally visualized in that moment like a bullet shooting out of my hoo-hoo but I don't know why. I just remember, like, I felt like I shot a bullet out of my vagina. And yeah. um, and I'm, like, pretty sure that was my waters breaking. I, I don't know. But, yeah. And um, and that's when, like, I started to count. 45 minutes later anyway, um, he was born. But, um, but it was just I, I was relaxed, everything. And there was only one moment where I lost it. And 
where my hypnobirthing classes paid off because that was when when I shot the bullet. <laughs> um, I my a song came on and this is Caleb's song and it's um and it's called it's oceans and the very first like part of the song is you call me out upon the water and my second midwife she's just like comment she goes what a song to be born to and then I just remember mentally I'm like what because I'd only just sort of hopped in the water and I'm like because I was fully prepared to be birthing for hours I thought this I thought that's just how I birthed too because my first one went for hours and I'm like what and then so I did what I swore I was not going to do and go touching down there (laughs) I was like this instinct like they're like oh if you want to touch the head or anything like in the lead up and stuff and I'm like no no don't want to go and I just because she said that I just instinctively without even thinking about it I put my hand down there and I could feel his head and then I like put it back and I started panicking and my breathing I'm like <laughs> like so panicking because I'm like oh oh this is happening quicker than I thought and then my husband did one of the tricks where he put one of the things that worked really well for me in the in the classes was anchoring me and he put his hand like on, on my back like really like heavily like and then started counting down from 10 and by the time he counted down from 10 I was completely limp over the pool like sort of humped like lamp and my daughter was like pouring water onto my my back that was yeah. exposed out of the water and that, oh, that felt so good I remember that feeling great um and I was like oh right I'm gonna start jay breathing now and then I just just I just started doing it and yeah a few contractions later I had a baby in my hands and yeah. I was like that was and I, I the very first thing I said was I did it <laughs> I did it um because I don't know I just I felt like I just had to have this experience I had to have a water birth I wanted to birth without drugs I I knew I could do it within me and there was this there was something just empowering like and even now I'm like I did that I birthed at home with no drugs like I am wonder woman (laughs) like (laughs) you popped your lady balls well your birth was a lot cleaner than mine because um I did pop a bullet but it wasn't from my vagina I pooped <laughs> my own foot <laughs> and I was horrified. I was more horrified about the fact that I pooped on my own foot than anything else. And then every single time somebody come to the hospital to congratulate me, the first thing I said was, I pooped on my foot. I was devastated. I spoke about it for weeks. But anyway, like those poor midwives, but... Yeah, my birth was. I asked him why he didn't hop in the pool because I was like, why didn't you hop in the pool with me? And he's like, you yeah. shat. Yeah. <laughs> and I, for some reason, because I remember going to the op shop going, oh, I better get something to scoop the poo out if I poo. Yes. And for some stupid reason, I got a sieve. <laughs> why on earth I got a sieve? I think I was thinking of a pool net, like a pool net. I don't know. I, and I'm like. And, and yeah, he's like, that sieve didn't like it, it, it was watery poo. And I, oh, but <laughs> and the question is, how big did you expect that poop to be if you were getting a sieve? <laughs> uh, so, that's my biggest advice if you're birthing from home, don't use a sieve as your poop scooper. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's like keep an old plastic ice cream container or something because we know you're eating them so just keep one um 
Hey. Oh my god! You just yeah. don't mistake that for chocolate ice cream. Like that would. Be yeah. Awesome. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Just, don't keep it in uh, the freezer. Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> then um. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's amazing. Oh, I loved it. I'm glad that you got everything that you wanted in your birth because I know that I sure as hell didn't get anything I wanted in either of my births. So I. Do you find that the home birthing experience was healing enough for you to be able to forgive the um, the way that you felt about your first birth and the yeah. disappointment? And, and forgive myself probably more than anything too because you sort of come in with these ideas and then like for me like because I gave away so much like to people that just do what they want which wasn't like what I knew I wanted and stuff yeah. like that. There was even like a self-forgiveness aspect of it but um yeah it was just yeah and and I like I had a bit of postnatal depression anxiety too with my first one um and so here we go we're going to comparison because I didn't have placenta encapsulation with my first and I did with my second um thanks to you um (laughs) and yeah like so that I didn't um the postnatal period too was just better like and again I'm like um I was never like fully like engorged but I was still breastfeeding my three and a half year old at that stage like I so I've been breastfeeding for like I only just stopped breastfeeding last year so that's like I don't know nearly eight and a half years non-stop breastfeeding um (laughs) between two kids um so I never had that like fully you know when it like day one or two or whatever and you get like the milk comes in like I never had that like it was just normal yeah uh, probably because I was breastfeeding um I didn't and I didn't like um tear or anything because I had an episiotomy with my first and I had some horrible like midwife check on the scarring like in my postnatal period with her and they're like oh you'll you'll um have to have another one next time because otherwise you'll tear badly because of this scar and I had to like mentally like like let go of that fear-mongering and those seeds of like discontent that that woman had put in me for my second birth yeah. um, and just like trust that that isn't accurate. I was doing um, perinatal mass, peri, perianal massage. So it was called yeah. peri, some, I don't know, perinatal, yeah. perianal. I feel like it's perianal massage <laughs> in the lead up. Um, and I don't know if it was a mixture of the perianal massage, the water being in the water and being relaxed and allowing the baby to come when he was ready. Um, I didn't tear or anything. So if anyone's ever told you, like, you know, like I, I, yeah, I didn't. I and here was something that I was so scared about, and that was probably the one thing, the one thing, like seed of fear that I had at all was that it was gonna like get ripped and torn from butt cheek to <laughs> vagina. Um, with like a shitload of and need to have to go into hospital just to get stitches, like after yeah. I had the baby um yeah so oh. um that was good but yeah I felt I felt like just everything like my mood everything whether that was like the yeah the magic pills or what like I just the postnatal period is also so much better like you have all these up yeah yeah but action after contractions after your seconds are way more intense did you wow. have that? Did well, you have after contraction? 
Oh, yes, I did. Yeah, they were actually quite painful. And um, they come on when, like, the early stages of breastfeeding. So every time my nipples were stimulated, I would have the contractions. So, and some of the contractions were just as bad as third stage labour. Um, yeah. And they don't tell you about that stuff when you're having a baby. But the second time I was much more prepared for it. And um, so, yeah, so I, I did um, try and get, the only way that I could kind of combat it was try and get myself in the comfiest position possible to breastfeed so that I was a little bit more relaxed. Um, yeah. And I found that feeding laying down actually helped my stomach cramps as well. So, yeah. Um, because if it's I not so it's intense, like whereas with Kate with Caleb, my second one, like I remember like just be like in the middle of the night and like, whoa, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, what's going on? And I'm like, oh, everything's going back in. <laughs> it's gonna oh. contract back in. Um, and I'm like, and it's intense. <laughs> yes. Well, the placenta encapsulation really does shrink your uterus back down size in such a short amount of time. So it's not surprising that you have like a lot of cramping afterwards but yeah I feel as though the the positive aspects aspects to placenta encapsulation far outweigh the negative which are you know things like cramping uteral cramping uh cramping etc but yeah um I definitely noticed a massive difference between my firstborn which I didn't do placenta encapsulation for to my second one I was just such a nicer person to be around for a start yeah. And I also thank placenta encapsulation um, for me to be able to continue to feed Alana up until she was seven years old um, because I mm. think that establishing that breastfeeding um, journey early and getting like a, a really good breastfeeding um, routine and supply up as early as you can sets you up mm really well for long-term feeding later on so I was quite happy with that um whereas Molly she um I was always a good feeder so I've never had any problems with feeding in the past but my first breastfeeding experience with Molly was interrupted um around about the third or fourth year thanks to my mother-in-law. So she kind of stepped in and she's like, you know, she's too old for that and she shouldn't be doing that and you should be giving her water and all this other stuff. And I wasn't ready to give up breastfeeding. I could have breastfed her until she was 22. Like I didn't care, but she yeah. had other ideas. And so it was really just pressure from family that made me give up breastfeeding with her and neither her or I were ready to do that. Um, yeah. So when I had Alana, I'd already, but before I'd even birthed her, I was already determined in my own head that I would not let anybody tell me how to raise my child or what I can and can't do with my child. So um, although I didn't get the birth experience that I wanted with either of the children, I feel as though I've made up for it with my parenting style and doing it the way I wanted to do it with my second so hopefully that's something that yeah but if you had any advice for any new mum what would it be trust your own instinct like you know what's best for you you know what's best for your baby everybody's going to shove their opinion at you it's like 
and you know you have a brain you have a heart yeah. you have a gut instinct you know exactly exactly it's, it's and and try to like not thrust your own opinions onto other mothers because you yourself know very well how annoying that is yeah it's <laughs> like fine line if someone asks for advice or whatever, then you give it. But you get people who are just so bent on like, this is the way it must be done and that's it. Like that's the only thing. And like I'm a very, like a, I'm a creative strategist. I am a creative at heart. So like I the, I am fully aware and I love diversity like and, and things like that. And if you really value diversity, then you have to acknowledge the fact that you are a unique being. You are the only you in the entire world which means your baby is the only that kind of baby in the world ever like there will never ever be another one in you and that baby ever created in the world ever again like this is just a once in a lifetime opportunity you're a limited edition and which means so so many contributing factors of diversity that something that works for somebody doesn't necessarily going to work for them like so you can't just go this is the only solution full stop because it's not true there's like hundreds of ways of getting through motherhood or looking after a baby or feeding a baby or you know then um yeah then then just your way and it's great to go oh like this has helped me but you know take it or leave it don't force people to have to do it the way that you did it yeah because it worked for you and don't be offended if somebody else is doing it differently and it's not that it's not how you did it because, as, I mean, as long as they're happy and it's working for them, then who cares? Like, exactly. I just, yeah, I, I feel like there's this like air of cancel culture now, and if you people can't just become becoming more and more intolerant of being accepting people with different opinions or different thoughts or beliefs or whatever. It's like if you don't, then you cancel. Like, I'm going to sit here and vilify you and cancel you and tell you to F off and just pretend they don't exist anymore. And that's not the right way either. I'm just, just yeah, I just don't get it. <laughs> I, I'm with you on that one. The whole, you know, oh, I respect everyone's opinion, but if you don't agree with mine, then we can't be friends. So, yeah, yeah, which is just, yeah, I just don't get it. I'm, I don't get and it. And I think that's why the are really popular because. I really, I think I bought that in with what I did. Um, and, and that's something I'll be, you know, with, with the new brands that I'm working on, like um, I'll be really like going back into that type of messaging. So yeah. I've got Easy Bubs Care and that's going to be about shares. I'm launching in a couple of weeks and that's, I want to be sharing that kind of messaging and um, and also like just tips and tricks. Like I want to give people's tips and tricks on, on like their parenting hacks and things that make life with a baby easier um and just the diversity of doing life like so I'm kind of cool the bags can be used for breastfeeding pump stuff or baby bottle stuff like and it's I like that and I still use mine for my cup so yeah so all those crunchy nuns yeah I've never thought <laughs> I'm of a that. cup user yeah so you could use yeah that's how I yeah, because like before at the start of my cycle, I just have a little cup that I just soapy wash and then I sterilize before I shove it up my vagina. Um, yeah. <laughs> and that's that's what I use. Yeah. And as long as I've got a microwave, because I'll go camping a lot. And that's um, even if I'm camping, like you can find a microwave somewhere to quickly sterilize it and then I'm done. I'm right. I don't have to 
change my pads or you know yeah, yeah exactly well i'm gonna have to get yeah. one off you i will be your first customer <laughs> <laughs> so what about uses and, and the bags are like reusable so you can do like 20 per bag 20 sterilizing cycles and and, and then the box comes with six in the box so you got that last a long time yeah um, yeah so that's my new business isn't easy bubs um yeah, and then I'm, I've started like a little Etsy business with Gracie, which is my daughter. She's eight um, with this whole remote learning thing that I just didn't do. Um, it just didn't work for us. Yeah. So we've started an Etsy. So I can sort of after school program sort of help her put her, what she's learning at school into practical use by running a little business. And, um, yeah, so that was good. Like even things like reading a receipt, I didn't even realise. This is like oh, she didn't know how to read a receipt and such a, like, what an incredible life skill to just go, now she knows how to read receipts. Um, Amazing. <laughs> I love yeah. that. And being entrepreneurs ourselves, like, um, I think it's a really important skill to put into your children to know that, you know, they don't need a degree to become something and mm. whatever they put their mind to, they can achieve. So I'm, I'm going to grab that Etsy store um, link off you and I'm going to link it in the bottom of this podcast so people can go yeah. and support your daughter. Um, that's amazing. I'm going to check it out. Yeah. I'm excited. I didn't even know you had one. What the hell? That's awesome. I'm like, oh, my God. Oh, oh well. So um, her Etsy store, it should go up. Like we've listed one of her products. So I haven't like done all the billing stuff yet because kind of like my job to do is, so that's yeah. what I'll do this week. Um, yeah, it's Recycled Stories and uh, she's on, we're on Instagram as well. Awesome. And uh, it's doing story stones. So uh, they're tactile story stones. So we're using old recycled books that have been damaged from the op shops that they can't put out to sell. So they've been yeah. like, they're, they're like scribbles or somewhat ripped and whatever so we grab them and um she, we cut out their images and then decoupage them onto these rocks and make story stone wow um and then the leftover i have created the hobby of making paper beads it's like this thing that i do now so i'm one of those i don't know if you ever make kids who just can't sit still like they're just fidgety yeah. um and so i'm a bit like that so um i don't know if it's like anxiety or because I, I have a you know history of trauma or or whether I'm just like have an undiagnosed ADD or something like that because I'm just a fidgety person. Um, so I've been during this time like being really grounded in making these paper beads. So all the leftovers, scraps of paper from cutting out pictures, I make into um, store uh, beads. And so we're sort of gonna um, we're making like little paper bead packs, um, which is all recycled stuff too. And then, and then it's even the bead the thing that you put beads on is paper recycled paper twine. Wow. Um, awesome. But I can't wait to check it out. Yeah. That's yeah. awesome. I'll put all the links in down below so that you can check <laughs> out Tabitha and Gracie's Etsy store. Um, <laughs> thank you so much for coming on my very first podcast. Yeah. Thanks for having me. We're going to have to do another catch up soon, I reckon, because you and I have got so many things that we can touch on. And we just can't mm. fit it all in a half an hour show. So, yeah. 
So I think we've got at least another 82 lessons between you and I to do, (laughs) at least. Um, But thank you so much, Tabitha, for coming on. You're absolutely beautiful. I love you. I love your passion. (laughs) And thanks for sharing your birth story with me. Happy to share it with the world. (laughs) Have a fantastic day. Yeah, you too. Bye.